I mean, I just feel like they just used it in a way that didn't work as well. I mean, like, I think the idea could have worked, and there was a lot of exposition because it was told first person. We got a lot of that exposition in the book from Katniss. Like, she knew what, uh, in, in because she told us through the book, she knew what those, uh, what were the killer bees? What do they call them? <laughs> um, oh, yeah, the tracker jackers. Tracker jackers. They, she knew what they were. And so we that's how we knew is because she said, oh, those are tracker jackers. They're very dangerous, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, there there is somewhat of a challenge of translating that to a movie how, because we don't know what those are. They just look like bees. We don't know they're really, really bad bees um, <laughs> or wasps or whatever. And And so I just feel like they leaned on it too conveniently instead of weaving it in better. This is Movie Bite, a show where we discuss, praise, lament, or sometimes even lampoon movies, TV shows, culture, and more. The show is hosted by me, I'm TJ Draper, and by my co-host, Joseph Darnell of Movieology fame. How are you, Joseph? Hey, TJ. Doing great. Good to be back. Yes. Yeah, we're Loving the movies. We're recording on a new day. I hope nobody's uh, nobody was expecting our re- release of our podcast yesterday and was disappointed. I tried to announce it on Facebook and, and stuff, but uh, you know, we would love to get a little more feedback, actually. I've not received hardly any feedback that I haven't solicited on the podcast. I know it looks like from the stats like we're getting a few listeners, but, uh, you know... Well, well, I'm sure they are. Yeah, they're I'm sure they, they, they're good listeners. They're movie watchers, so they're yeah. just kicking back... They're chewing on some popcorn, listening to us. They're laughing at us. They're crying with us. And then they get up from their seat and they forget about what they just listened to. <laughs> well, I hope not. <laughs> it, right. it's, it's like we're the replacement for your television. Yeah, well, totally. Well, you know, television rots your brain, you know, so. Uh. <laughs> and, and we will not do that. Yeah, so. All right. Well, uh, we have a few things to get to, and our main topic today will be The Hunger Games. I wrote a review about it. Uh, it was just released on home video, but we have a few things to get to before that, that we just want to touch on briefly. Yes, let's. Uh, and uh, this one I thought would be fun to, for us to just talk about a little bit. I posted a linked list item on the site earlier today, uh, shooting video in portrait mode on smartphones. How do you TJ, feel about I this, a, Joseph? I got a super kick out of it. I'd never <laughs> heard of this uh, this channel before on YouTube. Oh, you're the talking about you're talking about the up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're talking about the video itself. I was talking about the concept. Like, come on. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. How it, horrible is it when people do that? And, and and you see people doing it all the time, and then you tell them like I, I every time I see it happening, I have to say I I don't care how rude it is, I don't care how mean it people perceive it. It's like, dude, you can't do that. Stop it. You know I. <laughs> yes, and, and 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 people are like, why? What's the big deal? Who cares? You know, it's like, ah, seriously. <laughs> you know, the only place I think it should be reserved for are fancy animated posters in the mall, and that's it. Forget if forget well, any other implementation I think those of should, vertical orientation. I think those should just be eliminated anyway. So you know, <laughs> don't, I mean, well, don't no. you find those things super annoying? Um. Well, they they're more eye catching and. I guess I am a little bored with uh, stationary posters everywhere we go. I mean, don't you want to see in the lobby of a movie theater animated posters? No. Wouldn't that be totally cool? No. Wouldn't you like it if they come to life like a Harry Potter newspaper? No. Mm. Nope. Well, you're a I, fish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that uh, stationary <laughs> posters is an art form and uh, 
yeah, I, I'm not not for making them Harry Potterized at all. <laughs> well, you know, I, I I know there's a lot of technical difficulty in doing it, so I don't think it, that stationary posters will become a lost art or go the way of the dinosaur. But it, it would be nice if there were jazzier banners here and there with animation that weren't busy, weren't noisy, not flash based, and a good context. I think are posters, but anyway, definitely not for video. Uh, so the, the the video we're talking about though that brought this up was the vertical video sim- syndrome video yeah, it was that like we a shared service on announcement. <laughs> Yeah. Now, uh, what is the channel on YouTube that these puppets belong to? Oh, I don't remember the channel, but it's apparently like I looked at a couple of their other videos, and it's apparently a thing. So I'm I'm definitely going to be looking into it a little more. I actually ran across this video uh, like a month or two ago, and then kind of forgot about it. And I came across it again last night because. Uh, I uh, somebody on Facebook, a good friend of mine, uh, Joshua, if you're listening, you know, sorry, I had to be all mean about it. Uh, but uh, good friend <laughs> of mine, um, he posted a video of his kids running around the living room, whatever. It was kind of cute, uh, but it was vertical. And uh, I, 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 I remembered that came to my mind. Oh, that video I saw a month ago. I went and I looked it up and I found it and I posted the link in the comments. <laughs> you know, this nice. cute, this video of his cute kids, and I'm posting this link of this. Uh, Don't do it. Just say no to vertical video syndrome. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, we need to raise awareness. But uh, yes. Um, all right. So the uh, channel is uh, gloves, gloves and, and boots. boots. Yes. Yeah. Gloves and Boots, or Glove and Boots, sorry, it's singular. But uh, yeah, look, look them up on YouTube. Uh, they have a couple of uh, cool stuff out there. I did watch the one uh, Mario and Fafa play the classics with the Nintendo games and the Wii games and stuff. That was pretty fun. Uh, so it I looks like a, a fun YouTube channel. Discovery. So I haven't this fully vetted it, but... Yeah, it's definitely linkable, shareable, watchable. I, yep. I think that the rest of their channel looks promising as well. So in other news, I don't know if you are familiar with Taken, the movie. You know, I remember seeing the trailer for it. Uh, I never did see it, but uh, I wanted to because, you know, hello, Liam Neeson. (laughs) Liam Neeson, and that's just about it. But otherwise, it's a decent story, and it's compelling because it touches upon an issue of our day in a very dramatic sense without, you know, cheapening it with an action film genre style. Um, Taken came out in 2008 and it was an action film with starring Liam Neeson and, but it sure surpasses a lot of action films in our day. You know, the, just a lot of machismo. I'm, I'm tired of the machismo, man. Mm. And, and so Taken took it very seriously and at the same time was in a way relatable to any kind of guy because here his, his the character's name is Brian Mills. His wife and daughter who have left him, you know, he, he's on his own. They, they couldn't put up with him because they didn't appreciate his, uh, his work and his life. And the fact that his work consumed his life, he was a full-time bodyguard and he took life too seriously. He was always a little bit paranoid as far as he was concerned. So his wife and daughter who preferred to live life on the edge and have fun, they want to take wild trips. They want to just, you know, live life on the edge a little bit. And it's too much for him. He's a cautious guy. Mm. And so one day his daughter gets abducted and it's obvious for, for like uh, traffic by traffickers that she's going to, she's being forced into prostitution. Oh, wow. And, and so he, he goes into his, his top secret agent mode. You know, he, he's a, 
He, he's a retired agent that ah. now is a full-time bodyguard, but he drops everything and runs to the rescue of his daughter. Well, that, that makes sense, you know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Given his particular, you know, job skills, he, he's cut out for it. Well, and, and, you, and, and, you know, you have a daughter, you can imagine. Oh, yeah. The, yeah, <laughs> I, I wouldn't a heartbeat. Yeah. But, yeah, so it's a really fun story along the way, although some of the acting is poor. Liam does a terrific job. Always. And the action scenes are very, very fun. <laughs> and then, in the end, you're like... You're, you're just rocking. You're like, yeah, man. All right. Mm. Whooping the bad guys. You know, just, it's just a, a man's man kind of movie. All right. Now, you now you say, I noticed you say in the notes uh, that you wanted to talk about the reason why the second film looks like it may not work. It sounds like you liked the first film. So Yeah. The first what, film works because it seems like everything about it was set kind of realistically. Like, I could believe that this retired CIA agent would go you know, vigilante style mm. to save his daughter. But with Taken 2, they introduced the plot for this new story. And it's very quick, quickly apparent that there would not be a story if it weren't that the villains who got their tails kicked in the first film were willing to hunt him down and pay ba- him back for what he did in the first film. Mm. And it's like, Really? I am not convinced that these are the kinds of villains that would go to the lengths that they do in the trailer, that they're motivated to carry out their vengeance upon him, that they'll hunt him down, realizing how dangerous he is and try to cause more problems. I mean, obviously they're just asking for more problems. So I don't know. I just don't find it very believable that these villains are that smart or that well organized or that they are compelled to waste all this time and effort on one man who they could leave alone and everything would be just fine. Hmm. Okay. Well, I guess we'll see, won't we? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it anyway. I, I, I'm hopeful. Well, the trailer looks <laughs> me fun, wrong. so I'm, I'm, I'm definitely going to want to see Taken, you know, before it comes out in the theater. Uh, so and I'm assuming we'll probably uh, have a podcast about Taken 2 when it comes out. When is it due out? Uh, later this year. Okay. All right. So Jack Ryan. Jack Ryan, I'm excited about this. Now we uh, talked about this on Movie Bite. You talked about this on Movie Bite. Um, is it a full fledged Jack Ryan series reboot of movies, or are they just continuing a couple of this with uh, a new actor some of the stories that were never fulfilled? Now my understanding movies. is it's going to be a complete reboot of the franchise, and they're going to tell they're going to go back even before the books start. Is my understanding, and and just start a movie franchise. Now, can you explain real quick? Did you ever read any of the books? Uh, you know, I have not read the books. I've thought about it. I've wanted to. And There's a particular name though for the the series of all the books that pertain to jack ryan right surely there is i don't think so they're all individually uniquely titled i believe that's the case huh okay Uh, let me let me verify that but uh jack ryan tom clancy character sure let's do that all right so tam uh created by tom clancy appears in many of his novels so um yeah i mean all the novels are independently titled and a lot of them have jack ryan in them my understanding my my wife has read some of the tom clancy novels uh and my understanding from her is that uh some of the novels may be in the same universe but may not necessarily feature jack ryan but most of them do in that in that particular universe Hmm. so uh yeah but the reason i'm excited okay so my first introduction to tom clancy 
movies based on the novels was The Hunt for Red October, uh, which I saw many years ago, maybe back in 2004 or something like that. I loved it. I loved it. It's uh, And I, I highly recommend it. It is a great movie. The Hunt for Red October, Sean Connery, Alec Baldwin, don't let that turn you off. Uh, it's still a great movie. Um, uh, James Earl Jones. And uh, yeah, fantastic film. Uh, shot very well. Uh, great story. Loved it. And then, you know, the Harrison Ford movies I've only seen more recently. Believe it or not, I hadn't seen them before. You know, they're okay. They're they're okay. I, I don't particularly think Harrison Ford is a great uh, Jack Ryan, but they're okay. But the sum of all fears uh, was that two thousand two that that came out. Uh, About then, yeah, that's a great film. Uh, so I, I, you know, I'd kind of hoped we would see more from that, but we never did. So, but I'm excited to see what they do with it with Chris Pine because I I enjoyed Chris Pine in Star Trek. Uh, that's really the only thing I've seen him in. Hmm. Um, and so we'll see. I mean, he seems like the right kind of guy to play Jack Ryan. Yeah, the sum of all fears was two thousand two, but yeah. yeah, you know, I I agree. I, I've I've only heard good things about all of the novels, as uh, but I as well haven't read them. You just don't have the time for them. They're thick books. They're big They're books. Yeah, I believe they exist in audiobook form, but I've just never spent the money. So sure. Uh, no, but yeah, it'll it'll be interesting. I hope that they don't take a decided new youthful approach to the series. I want them to to maintain the the maturity the the gravitas of these older films yeah i agree um we'll see what they do uh i'd also like to know are they going to set them in modern times or are they going to uh maintain their historical relevance and tie them into the 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 conflicts that you know nations and states and governments had i would be okay with them bringing them up into current time but We'll I, see. I personally would prefer if they would stick to the timetables of the books mm. and the previous movies, but we'll see. Yeah. Well, the, uh, you know, each of the previous movies, although always, you know, they never really had quite a franchise. They always had like, oh, this director wanted to come in and make this story. This director wanted to come in and make this story, you know, with the previous right. four. But they always did it as if it was at the, the time they were filming it. That was when it was happening. At least that's the way it seemed to me. I never got the impression it was supposed to be older than what they were filming or anything. Oh, okay. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm I'm okay with it being set in modern time. I'm also okay if they decide to uh, go back and say, here's you know, it's in the 90s or the 80s or the 70s or whatever it is. Uh, I'd be okay with that. So now, um, you know, I kind of think that uh, what is his name? Um, huh? I can't find him. Who was the guy who played Morpheus in the Matrix? Oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I should know that. Well, I would like him to play, what is his name? William Cabot? The guy who was in the series? Lawrence Fishburne. Okay, Lawrence Fishburne. I'd like him to play the uh, William Cabot guy that Morgan Freeman and uh, James Earl Jones played in the other films. Hmm. Could you see that? I could. I could. And I like Lawrence Fishburne. He was great in The Matrix, and he's been great in everything I've seen him in. So, sure, I can see that. He hasn't been used um, often enough. So. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. That'd be fun. We'll see. All right. S.H.I.E.L.D. Yes. Now, you want to tell me about this? Because um, what is S.H.I.E.L.D.? Joss Whedon, uh, the Avengers, this has something to do with the Avengers. That's all I know. S.H.I.E.L.D. is the organization that Nick Fury works with or for or runs or whatever in the Avengers. 
Okay. Nick Fury was played by uh, Samuel Jackson, right? He was the guy who touted the guns in the in the eye patch. Correct. Well, yeah. So Shield. I'd like to know what that stood for. But yeah, I know it, it's still it's frequently discussed in the Iron Man movies, not as much in the other uh, Marvel movies. But I, I can see the prospects of this show. Um, Joss Whedon involved in all that. It's kind of like, uh, well, we haven't had a good television live action spinoff series from a movie in recent years. Right. So, but so this basically, one stands a chance. Uh, basically, the, the thing is that ABC has ordered a pilot for uh, S.H.I.E.L.D., a live action series from the Avengers writer-director Joss Whedon, Marvel TV and AB, a, ABC Studios. The project is based on Marvel's peacekeeping organization, S.H.I.E.L.D., which stands for Strategic Hazard Intervention Espionage <laughs> Logistics Directorate or Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division. <laughs> so there you go that, that title wasn't forced yes <laughs> so uh yeah I, i'm excited because just just to see joss whedon coming back to tv i mean he's done such great work so uh th- this avengers thing has really put some has really got some legs and i think it's really going to go somewhere so but the downside of the shield series is that it's not really about the avengers per se no no I mean, no uh, uh, I and and I think this could be a good thing. I, let's ex- let's explore. There's obviously lots more depth to Shield here. There's there's lots of TV show material. I think lots of uh, things, places to go, and things to explore that don't necessarily have to be the Incredible Hulk or Iron Man or Captain America. I think. Yeah, I just a- hope that this isn't like a. This isn't inspired by something like Smallville or you know the X Files or I don't know. I just don't want it to feel. Like it's a superhero movie missing the superheroes on television. I don't think it would. Come on, man. This is Joss Whedon. Have a little faith. Yeah, I have faith in him. But it's kind of like J.J. Abrams. I have tons of faith in him. But then I don't have faith in some of the shows that that he gets started. Because he does a great job. But when he gets passed off to somebody else, then, you know, maybe they have a good series or two, a season or two. But then something's lost. You know, huh, didn't mean to play on words there, but yeah, yeah, there you yeah. Go. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, but I, I don't know. I'm hopeful. I, I'm, I just, I'm really hopeful. Uh, yeah, it's and, very ambitious because I want to know what their source material is. Like, obviously, the Shield organization has loads of potential, but I could see this better off as a as a mini series, something akin to what, say, HBO does. Give us. Uh, six episodes or the BBC, you know, give us six episodes of the new Sherlock Holmes in a year, work on them real hard, do a bang up job and then come out with six more episodes or so the next year and just leave it at that. Don't try to go overkill. Don't produce 24 episodes in a season or, or whatever the standard is in America with major networks, you know, just, uh, make great shows. Don't, don't try to overdo it. All right. Well, we'll see. Hmm. Okay, right. so the Hunger Games. The Hunger Games. Now, Joseph, uh, I wrote a review about this, but I don't know how, how you feel about it that much. I, you know, I actually enjoyed this film more uh, the second time through. Like, I, I think maybe I, I don't know what I don't know what the reason was, but because I went into it going, oh, I think this is a three star film, and when I got through watching it, the iTunes release, the home video release. Uh, which I couldn't tell any difference from the theatrical release, but I'm just differentiating. That's when I watched it. And I thought, you know, this is a four-star film. This is a great film. How did, how did you feel about the film? 
Well, my first impression of the film was in the theater. I didn't watch a trailer. I hadn't discussed it with uh, anyone who was familiar with the novels. I didn't read the novels. And when I walked in, I expected uh, not to be pleasantly surprised. And I walked away thinking, oh, wow, where did this come from? But then I realized, okay, so that's why I've seen shelves of these books in Barnes and Noble for the last three years, mm-hmm. because you know, lots of stock. Because because obviously it's it's good stuff. Yeah. Right, so, so yeah, I liked it. Good, excellent. So I well, I don't want to give my star rating just yet. Okay, all right. Well, we're we're reviewing this because it just became available on home video, and I chose to download it on iTunes, and I got the iTunes extras uh, with that, of course, which is an interesting format. Unfortunately. Uh, it doesn't work well with my setup. I don't have an Apple TV, and I use Plex for my media center because mostly I rip Blu-rays and stuff. And uh, so there's no DRM, but Plex will not play iTunes uh, DRM files. So that was a little bit annoying. I had to use a keyboard and mouse to get it started. Oh. Um, and and I found the iTunes Extras menu, which is basically it's a DVD menu uh, in most like like the way you would think of a DVD menu with buttons that play. Uh, the different parts of the extras and stuff, and you can even play the movie from that menu. Oh, huh. but uh, yeah, it, the menu was not that well designed, so that was a little frustrating. But it was fine, and I really enjoyed, uh, as I always do. It's funny, I I never watch them as much as I should, but I always enjoy it when I do the making of. It, I really enjoyed seeing some of that things, and even hearing Gary Ross, the director, explain some of the reasons why he made some of the decisions that I kind of disagreed with. And um, so that was that was fun and uh, actually pretty well done. Uh, there was you know some things that I wouldn't do, but again, I'm a, you know what I'm going to have a lot more quibbles with the thing because I'm a I'm a filmmaker than most people will. <laughs> so now, did your take on the film in your review? Uh, did you write that before or after you saw the making of material? After. So if you could go back, would you? attempt to give your take on the making of material do you want to give it a rating is it worth uh the extra cash you know uh more than just getting a rental or picking up a, a copy of simply the film yeah i mean I, it was for me but again I'm a, I'm a geek i'm a nerd i'm a film geek i'm a film nerd i'm interested in this stuff and uh, i really enjoyed hearing them tell a lot of the story behind making the film i, I enjoyed seeing you know, a, a, a more of a bird's eye view, you know, of the locations and, and how they uh, did a lot of the stuff. And it did give me an appreciation for just how much of the stuff was actually practical effects and only touched up a little bit by CGI or maybe not even that. Oh, okay. Maybe it was just practical effects. So that was the sort of thing that you got. Um, there were seven or eight segments in the making of, you know, the special effects, the locations, the directors, the story, that, that sort of thing. It, it was really well done. So if you're into that sort of thing, definitely worth it this is one of the better ones so that's that's my take on that yeah i mean yeah well very good um the, you know i always kind of wonder about the special i mean the uh, yeah the special features because um i feel like most films special features are hit or miss and it's not taken for granted that you should pick up a blu-ray copy with the second disc or i guess that that's old school that's the way it was done with dvds but yeah, um, with all the bonus features. Yeah. Well, some of my, the greatest disappointments of bonus feature material were the uh, the Batman Begins and the Dark Knight Rises special materials. Mm. I, I, I personally 
had high, high expectations for those. And I was like, what the heck? There was hardly anything of substance to them. Well, you know, and, well, you know, my guess is on that, and I really don't know, but I would guess that Nolan is so focused on making the film, he doesn't care about the special features. It's not what it's about, and so it just doesn't get made well or get taken care of. Yeah, I just wish that the studio would pick up the slack and 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 do a better job. Hmm. The same thing for his other films, like The Prestige uh, and, uh, you know, I don't know, Memento, all of them, frankly. They, I, I could see some great making of videos there, and there hasn't been a good making a video for a Nolan film. Yeah. I, but yeah, on the other end, uh, personally, I think that no matter what, you got to rent this thing. You got you to watch this thing. If you yeah. haven't already seen it, now you're saying it was difficult to download it for you in your case. You purchased it outright. Is that what I'm getting from you? You you did buy it? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, okay. I, I bought it from iTunes and I, I bought the HD version. Uh, I, I You know, I really don't know. I thought about renting it just to see. I don't know if the iTunes extras come with the rental or not. Okay, because I, I did the rental. I And if there is a way to get the special features, I didn't figure it out. I'm guessing there's not then. It's a separate file. It's its own file. It's interesting. Uh, sorry, I have to talk about the technical issue or the technical things on this just because I'm a geek. Uh, I explored the, um, the file, files that got downloaded. I can't remember what the file extension is, but basically the iTunes extra file is just a package with an extension on it. And if you, uh, you know, Mac OS X, you can say browse the package. And in there are all the special, the making of videos, the MPEG-4 videos, the H.264 videos. Uh, so, and it's just in a wrapper with a menu, basically. So that was pretty cool. Hmm. Um, so it is a separate file. If you didn't get that file when you rented it, then you didn't get the iTunes extras. So that was, I, that's, I wanted, uh, yeah, I was interested to know that. So apparently not. Yeah, okay. And when I, and when I rented it, um, I was actually kind of testing the waters here because we're in a limbo where you, you don't want all of your mu- movie collection to be Blu-ray. And then sometimes DVDs disappoint you. And so you, you think you'll hop over to Netflix and to Hulu to get all of your entertainment, but not all of, all of it's there. Yeah, no, that's so, really frustrating. So you, yeah, this is a, at least ways it's felt like a whole year where consumers have been caught in limbo. And I'm wondering how much longer this is going to go on, where you get about a quarter of your entertainment from Netflix and, you know, maybe a third from DVDs, and then everything is divided. What I was kind of hoping when I got my Apple TV a couple of months ago would be that I'd really find that the iTunes rentals would be my solution. That I could um, see. I don't watch a lot of television in a given month, so I figured it could still be cost-effective to catch all the movies I wanted to watch, and it would be if it weren't for the television shows. So if I wanted to just catch my movies off of iTunes and television shows weren't an issue, then it would be cost-effective. Hmm. But I really need Netflix to be cost-effective when watching a bunch of television shows. Anyway, I'm hopping back and forth, but. I I was pleasantly surprised by the quality of the film rental from iTunes, but I had all kinds of technical difficulty. I, oh. I, I got it. I, I paid for it. I start to play it, and it says, okay, we're going to authorize you. It's going to buffer for you. Okay, it's ready to watch. And I was like, wow, that was fast. I expected a little delay. Yeah. 
and that happened a couple of nights ago. So I told myself, eh, well, I don't feel like watching it tonight, so I'll put it off. If it's that easy, I'll watch it another night. Oh, you only have 24 hours after you started watching it. Uh, no, I hadn't. Uh, I had not started watching it. Oh, okay. it, had, it, it had just started loading. Oh, okay. And, and so, yeah, it, it's, it's kind of weird like that. Like, I'm not exactly sure where the threshold is. Maybe after you've watched three seconds, it officially counts as you have started watching this. Gotcha. Um, so, yeah, it still said I had 30 days to play the video. Okay. And so I, I started it again last night, and it says, okay, we're buffering. And I was like, okay, well, you did this last time. And then it says, okay, it's going to take five hours. And I was like, what? And then that slowly got down to about an hour and 10 minutes. Uh. And I was like, wow. But the, it gave me an option to reduce the resolution, the video quality to something less than um, 720p. And it said that if I did that, it would load a lot faster. But I wasn't willing to do that. I paid for the HD. I paid um, the full amount for the HD. So I was going to see it in HD. Definitely. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so I had to wait an hour and I was I was kind of bummed out because I yeah. hadn't anticipated it. This to me is the problem with streaming. I, I have, uh, I've enjoyed streaming. I've had Hulu Plus. I've had Netflix streaming. And a lot, sometimes it's even useful and I enjoy it. But on the, on the other hand, I, I cannot count on all my fingers and toes how many times I've had issues with streaming. Like, but when it's downloaded and it's on my two terabyte hard drive, I can play it whenever I want, no matter what. I can load it on my iPhone and take it with me. I can take that hard drive with me. I, I took my two terabyte hard drive. It's an external drive that has all my media on it. And I took it with me on this trip uh, this past week, uh, a couple weeks ago to Peoria. I took it with me and was able to watch anything I wanted, you know, whenever I wanted to. So, uh, mm. yeah. So I, I guess for the next uh, rental um, that we do a review for, I'll probably give uh, Amazon a try just to see what it's like. I've heard good things about it. There's there's a whole crowd of people out there that are Amazonians. That <laughs> they they prefer Amazon over iTunes. So I, I'll give them the benefit of a doubt, and I'll, I'll see what it's like. All right, well, Joseph, we should uh, we should move on because we're talking about the technical aspects of watching this digitally and all that, and uh, we, we need to talk about the film itself. So, mm. uh, you uh, one of the things we have in the outline here is uh, how old should children be to watch this movie? And that's a good question because this movie, I mean, okay, so Katniss, I don't know if you get this from the film. I know from the books, she's supposed to be like, what, 16? Uh, obviously, Jennifer Lawrence is a bit older than that. And this happens a lot. They cast older actresses and actors because they do a better job. It's hard to get sometimes good child actors to act well, and, and especially for this sort of role. But it is a good question uh, because it tends. It seems like maybe it's geared a little bit towards kids, but it's rated PG thirteen for intense uh, for intense violent thematic material and disturbing images. Yeah, now any parent would have to use their own judgment, and I think it's on a case by case basis where you have to you know be aware of your child, familiar with your child, and what their comfort level is with you know uh, intense drama, but also. There's the issue of some of the morality at play. You, you have to wonder, can my children handle the themes, uh, political themes, the the hardships expressed in this film? Are they ready to at 10, 11, and 12? You know, some kids, I think that this is, this is very straightforward. I think that this would be very easily digestible, for instance, for my daughter when she's 12. Sure. But I think that there are m- many young people 
who without parental guidance, this is just not a healthy movie to watch. Right, um, right, right. And, and you know, it's interesting. They, I'll put this in the show notes. The show notes, by the way, are going to be at moviebyte.com slash podcast slash seven. Uh, that's where, you're, where, where you will find the show notes. And uh, they talked about this on uh, the latest episode of The Incomparable, The Incomparable 104, which is a great podcast. I recommend you listen to it. Um, it's one of those podcasts for me where if it's about a subject I don't care anything about or don't know anything about, I'll probably skip it. But it's in my, you know, it's easy enough to mark it as played, and I'll, mo- and I'll listen to it if it's really interesting. And this one, they talked about the appropriateness of, you know, how do you uh, uh, share movies with your kids? When do you let your kids watch certain movies and all this sort of thing? And, uh, you know, it was interesting to hear the different parents on that episode talking about the different ages they would let their children watch movies. And uh, it's it really is going to be different for every kid, I think, and for every parent. Um the, the interesting thing is, in our and, and this is what I loved about The Hunger Games, it is a cultural critique, uh, I, I feel like. It's a, it's a very good cultural critique. And mm, yeah. uh, uh, even though it's kind of way out there, and you know, you look at the people in the Capitol, and you go, oh, I, you know, it's crazy, crazy. Uh, at this, and, and we would never kill, we would never make people participate in real uh, gladiator games. I mean, what, you know... Um, yeah, but, it seems it seems like something that is uh, <laughs> we're so far removed from. But at the same time, you can see how we could get there. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. uh, the way it's presented in the film, it, it absolutely it it really is. It's reality TV, and and they've just taken it to the next level. Uh, yeah, but, it's reality TV in the hands of the government, and it's a totalitarian state at totalitarian. Sorry, state at that. Yes. So it makes it makes perfect sense. Yeah, and so the point is, I think that, um, yeah, you need to look out for. I mean, your kids, if they they can't handle, it, they're not ready for it. Sure, but at the same time, I think that the film has great themes and messages. Yeah. Uh, so that, so that it's definitely a film that you should watch at a young age if you if you have the opportunity and your and you know your the parents involved feel like it's right that it's the right time. Yeah, and they so, should be discussed. The themes in this movie are definitely, you know, it's a cautionary tale, like like you've already said. Yes. So yeah, I think that parents and children should discuss this together. Agreed. And I, I think kudos to um, to the no- the novelization of the series for making such a great um, accessible story for young people that that deal with some of these complicated and touchy sensitive issues because there's a heck of a lot of despotic film stories that really aren't relevant they're they just have the totalitarian government involved or the despotism or a post-apocalypse or post-world war three type scenario yeah but just because they have those qualities doesn't mean that it's a relevant film. Right. Doesn't mean that it is an important film or that it is relatable in our own world. Uh, this film feels like it is a supposed version of the future. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and while we're talking about the rating and how appropriate it is for children, at the same time that we talk about it is rated PG-13 for intense, violent, uh, thematic material, as the thing says here, um, at the same time, I really feel like Gary Ross did a really good job of not letting it go too far. Like, uh, even in the sound design and how he went, when we first enter the games, all right, I mean, these these are kids being thrown into arena to kill each other, and they don't know any better, they don't know any different, they've been conditioned for this. But I feel like the director did a really good job of making it what it was without 
disturbing you so much without like just showing you the hacking, goring violence at the very beginning of the, of the Hunger Games when they went into the arena. I mean, didn't you feel that way too? Yeah, I agree. Uh, so, so while we talk about that, I mean, I thought that was just a good point to mention when we talk about the rating of the film and you know yeah parents definitely use your own judgment and and definitely pre-screen the film if you're if your kids are especially if they're not teenagers yet or even if they're 13 14 15 you may you may want to pre-screen the film before you let them see it but uh yeah that would be my recommendation now um a little bit about this here film um in case you missed it in theaters and i think that there was a lot of people who probably did simply because I think a lot of the audience interpreted the release of the film as Hollywood intending to be timely, riding the coattails of the Twilight movie series. Yeah. So there, there could be a lot of the adults in the audience that think to themselves, uh, this movie, no way. Yeah. I'm not going to waste another dime on a, on a pathetic love soap opera, you know, teenage chick flick with stupid vampires and you know and <laughs> right so 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 this isn't that kind of film no and so that is why it, it is uh, relevant and why i think it will continue to uh, draw an audience and probably outlive all hype for the twilight movie films uh agreed yes much it, as i actually kind of like the i want to say it on the live show as much as i kind of like the Twilight films, especially the later ones. Uh, yeah, this is going to far outlive and outweigh the Twilight films and certainly has a lot more depth. Certainly. Yeah. It's bound to be studied in school. It's, it's bound to, uh, for, for who knows how many years to come. And, uh, and we still have four more, no, sorry, three more, uh, movies in the series for the hunger games to come. So yeah, it's, it's going to be popping up over and over again. So now's a good time to go ahead and catch the Hunger Games. And so, what is the Hunger Games about? All right, do we need to sound the spoiler horn here, or? Uh, I think we can touch upon the spoiler horn just after. Okay. Uh, after a few more um, stats here no. and the summary. All right, no spoilers um, yet. No spoilers, yeah. Okay, go Trust ahead. Trust me. Uh, this is a drama with sci-fi action and suspenseful elements, and. Uh, you know, that also could be taken the wrong way, like the Twilight series. And thankfully, it, it's not like the Twilight series in that the film really doesn't get carried away by the sci-fi. Uh, and I don't know if the novels do at a, in a later book, but uh, I was pleasantly surprised that the film sticks to its roots in drama and suspense and then uses action and sci-fi only when necessary. Yeah, well, it really is, if I can just butt in here for just a minute, it really is that the sci-fi serves the story, not that the story serves sci-fi. Like, we wanted to make sci-fi, and so here it is. No, it, it really is that this that's just in the background. You know, it's there, and it's part of the world that this is futuristic, but it's it's not, the, sur- the story is not subservient to it. Yes, and the sci-fi actually i think it's compelling you know a lot of these um movies involving sci-fi or special effects involving um some outlandish scene of action they seem totally superfluous like they weren't necessary in in various films but this film is stuck to something that was kind of original that really complements the story so the sci-fi was warranted yeah um, so a, a real super lame brief introduction to the film is this. I got this right off of IMDb. 
I'm going to credit them for the lame version of the summary. So here okay. it is. Set in a future where the capital selects a boy and a girl, a girl from the 12 districts to fight to the death on live television, Katniss Everdeen volunteers to take her younger sister's place for the latest match. And that's all they have to say about it. <laughs> that's like... Uh, that that, that you, is the say? lame version. <laughs> <laughs> that covers the first 10 to 15 minutes of the movie. <laughs> I hate it when summaries think that they can get away with that. <laughs> that That's not the whole of the movie. It sounds like, oh, okay, well, now I know all that, that there is to know about the movie. But, okay, so here's the not-so-lame version. And this is coming from Rotten Tomatoes. Every year in the ruins of what once was North America, the evil capital of the nation of... Is that Panem? Panem. Is that how it's pronounced? Panem. Panem. Uh, uh, the evil capital of the nation of Panem forces each of its 12 districts to send a teenage boy or girl, oh, sorry, and girl, to compete in the Hunger Games, a twisted punishment for a past uprising and an ongoing government intimidation tactic. The Hunger Games are a nationally televised event in which tributes must fight to the death with one another until one survivor remains. Pitted against highly trained tributes who have prepared for these games their entire lives, Katniss is forced to rely upon her sharp instincts as well as the mentorship of the drunken former victor Hamish Aberdathy. If she's ever to return home to District 12, Katniss must make impossible choices in the arena that weigh survival against humanity and life against love. That, that's a much better summary to me. <laughs> yes, I applaud you, Rotten Tomatoes, and your contributors. Agreed. Yeah, that, 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 that captured the heart of the film much better, and of, of the story. Yeah, and it captures that it is a, a drama. It's not about what's cool. It's not about who's hot. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not one of those uh, teeny bopper films. I think we've right. said it enough, but I cannot say it enough. <laughs> this film is appealing for all audiences, uh, because the because the themes are so relatable, there's something that we can connect to from uh, in our modern times. Yeah, and it really looks like the audience did connect with it, Joseph. I mean, look at this. And this is the interesting thing: this was made on a for to, by today's standards uh, a really low budget, right? I mean, seventy eight million dollars is not that much money to make a film these days. And and uh, Gary, Gary Ross did talk about in the special features kind of the budget constraints they were under. But uh, I think, again, this is the illustration, like, like we've been talking about, this is becoming a theme. Um, sometimes lower budgets make better movies, because you don't have all the money to throw at it, and you've got to throw at it, and you've got to think creatively about how you can make this film be all that it can be. And uh, I, they, uh, $78 million, and they have blown the box office away <laughs> with $78 million. I mean, wow! It, it's pretty cool, because it's not very often that a film makes back double what it cost to make it in opening weekend alone right exactly opening i was gonna say opening weekend alone it did that <laughs> exactly and that was only an opening weekend in the usa <laughs> the, uh, wow kudos to them yes absolutely um, they- um and yeah so gross uh yeah 672 million 826 000. yeah it's crazy yeah, I'm I'm impressed with the stats. That's really good for a film in 2012. Yeah. Now, uh, have you looked? I, I need to look and see what the budget is on the next film. Unfortunately, 
uh, even though I have my quibbles with Gary Ross as a director, he's not coming back to do the next one. Um, I, I saw. But, oh uh, yeah, yeah. It was kind of. An, we'll see what happens. I hate it when though. When I mean, when you've got a good director, why do you want to change? Why do you want to get a different uh, director? Mm, so yeah, you don't want the director though to get cold. You know, you don't want him to lose his edge. No, and I think that that's probably what it's about. I suppose. Um, I should hope so, because I personally think he did a good job. I think he deserves um, some praise there. Absolutely. Because well, obviously he did a good job, and obviously the studio should be really happy. Maybe he just didn't want to do it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, made a really great film, and uh, I really hope the next one lives up to it. Okay, so uh, at this point, then, let's uh, let's dive into the spoilery section and All talk right. about our likes and dislikes and more in-depth into your review. Okay. Um so here you we would, go. Just, yeah, just, just to make sure we have made this clear, there are spoilers now, okay? Shame on you if you haven't seen the film. It's a great film. Go watch it. Come back, and we we want you to come and finish this episode, but we're about to spoil this film. So here we go. Mm, please do. Okay. So uh, you have dislikes listed first. I, I suppose there's something to be said for ending it <laughs> on a higher note and listing our likes after that. So, let's, okay, let's, let's talk about our dislikes. What didn't you like about this film, Joseph? Mm, okay, well... Um, one of the reasons I didn't want to let my star rating out of the bag earlier in the uh, our show today is because I feel like there is some there are some very clearly defined weaknesses in the film, and I think there are some very clearly defined uh, strengths in the film. So so here we go. Um, two parts of the film I felt uh, were left to interpretation that would have that I would have preferred. If they had not been left to interpretation, mm-hmm. you read the books. Now, did you read the book before you saw the movie? Yes. Okay, so you don't have the benefit that I had going into it, thinking, "Okay, what the heck is this about?" No, but I, I, I think I could identify where those issues were. Like, I, I, when I've read a book and then I see a movie, I, I'm always like, "Okay, if I had not read the book, would I understand what that was about?" And sometimes I, I think that, and then somebody says, no, oh, no, I got it, and I hadn't read the books. And it's like, okay, but sometimes I'm right, too. So I'll be interested to hear this. What? Uh, so go ahead. Okay, so first off, um, for those who have seen the film, there is a, uh, a, continu- uh, a, a flashback that Katniss has that they show more than once, where yes. Peeta okay. is tossing bread yes. to Katniss in the rain. Yes, totally agree with you. That was horribly... Hor- <sighs> I think I talked about this in my review. Horribly exposited in the film. So much better in the book. <laughs> What, yeah, okay, no, so how do you feel about that scene? Did you do you think feel like you got what that was about, or or I didn't the first time I more. watched it. Yeah, the first time I watched it, uh, the first time they introduced the flashback, I thought to myself, "Huh, that was intentionally cryptic." So they must be going into that in more depth later to explain what was happening. That was like they're going to have a big reveal. There, there was something bigger going on in that scene besides just Peta tossing bread to pigs. Yeah, and then later in the film, they they show it again, and only sketchier than the first time, and then right. I think, a, and then a third time, and I was like, okay, what's the deal with the pigs? What's the deal <laughs> with the bread? And, and I didn't learn until later. Uh, somewhat, my wife had read the books, and she tells me, oh, well, it's because Peter was actually trying to help her out, and he went to this uh, th- to these elaborate, um, you know, th- jumped through these elaborate hurdles to manage burning the bread to uh, to give her some because he took pity on her because he knew that Katniss was starving. Oh, so you've, you've actually read the books now? No. I just oh. got this from my wife. Second. Oh, okay. Oh, she, she hit the nail on the head. Yeah. Say, oh, you're, you're, hit, you're hitting it right there. 
Yeah, but see, the thing is, nothing about the film conveys that. And that's very critical for PETA's character development. Agreed, agreed. Uh, for for anybody who didn't read my 1900 and uh, my 1914 word review, uh, let me just read this uh, <laughs> this little uh, blurb right here from it. In the book, finding out who Peta was with the offering of the bread to a starving Katniss was vital to discovering Peta's personality. And unfortunately, I do not feel that it was very well exposited in the film at all. In fact, I wondered if you would even quite know what was going on with the bread scene if you had not read the book. It seemed very poorly executed. And so apparently I was right. You, you, mm-hmm. didn't, you didn't get it at all until your yep. wife, who had read the books, explained it to you. And that was really disappointing because that was important. It kind of showed you a little bit of Peta's personality. Because one of the complaints, even with the books, is that Peta's a pushover, that he has no personality, and that he's a, poor, a, 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 a poorly constructed character. And I kind of disagree with that. I kind of get what people are saying. But I think this scene in the books, this this uh, what happened in the books with this flashback, um, really demonstrated his character. He saw Katniss was starving, and her family was starving, and he intentionally burnt the bread. And then his his mother scolded him. Uh, I think she hit him or something and caused a welt. And then he threw the bread out, uh, and she got she was able to get it then. And it was very clear Peta did that because he had mercy and pity on Katniss and her family. Right. And that and did so not come out. That yes, it was very noble. And that's where you get. Oh, this is kind of Peta's character. This is right, who Peta is. Right. And it, it, it in watching was, the movie, I got the exact opposite impression of him. I thought it was trying to show that he was actually a loser because <laughs> because he 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 burns bread and then his wife scold. I'm sorry, his mother scolds him, so he's got to toss him out to pigs. When he's out in the rain and sees a girl across the street starving to death, so he has a moral decision to make because instantly he realizes, oh, I should be helping out the poor. Uh, okay. But I don't want to get into more trouble, so I can't let my mom see me tossing bread to her. I can't just take it right to her. Uh, I guess I'll just toss it out in the street halfway, and I'll shuffle back into the house real quick. Yeah. That's what it looked like. It was the exact opposite effect. So the impression you get from from PETA is that he's just a loser. He he, he just, uh, I don't know what. You know, he, he's, he's scared of his mom. He's afraid of society and what they might think of him if he gives her the bread. And But at the same time, he's embarrassed by what she will think of her of him should he have to run into her you know, on a future date. So right. that's that. my impression of him is that he just he wants to avoid the situation, and so he runs back into the house like a loser. Yeah, so you got the completely wrong impression. So it completely justifies my kind of going off on this that uh yeah very poorly done that that was one of the dislikes of the film much as i like the film that was very poorly done uh my my other um my other point that i thought was uh subject to misinterpretation in the film that this is actually the more serious one and this one goes back to the whole parental guidance thing but at the end of the film when katniss and Peeta are supposed to either eat the berries and die or um you know, they should wait out the uh, a response from the Capitol and find out, oh, okay, well, they're not actually going to make us do this. Um, my impression both times I watched the movie was that Katniss was drop-dead serious about eating those berries and that it was their last resort, and that's what made it noble, that she was committed, that thinking back to what her um her friend said back to, in District Twelve at the beginning of the movie. Remember when her friend uh, what was his name? 
the other guy, Gale? Gale, yes. Gale is saying to her how no matter what the capital does to us, I just don't want to lose who I am and what I stand for and, and my personhood. Right. And so it should it get really bad. I never want to lose that. I will always stand for my values. And so I'm figuring at this point with Katniss and the berries that that's what she's doing. She's thinking back to things like that. And so that's why it matters to her. That is why she's willing to die for this. That could be. But then the trick was that PETA doesn't necessarily feel the same way. He's led by Katniss. And so he's kind of like realizing after she makes the suggestion, okay, well, that must be what she is saying. And if that's the truth, yeah, well, then I'm willing to die for it too. Um, my problem with this is that, for one, that's not what the book intended. That was not what was meant by the scene. And two, I think that it, it leaves up some um, ambiguity, for some people anyway, that will be concerned about how to handle the subject of suicide, even when it's laying down your life for a good cause and showing the film to their children. Yeah. But they'll want to discuss this. Well, I don't think, I never got the impression in the book, and I can see how you get it in the movie. I don't think Katniss would have gone through with it. I think she would have well, stopped no. short of eating the berries. No, it's actually, uh, I was told that it's quite transparent in the in the books. Right, because you're in Katniss's really, head. I think she yes. says something like, I hope they don't call my bluff. <laughs> exactly. That that she is trying to call their bluff. And so her point in, in threat, it was just a threat. She really did believe at that point that the Capitol wouldn't really make them die that way both of them because they had to have a winner they had to they had to maintain this this uh tightrope balance between hope and striking fear yeah and i the district i I actually though i kind of i thought that you did get that though even in the movie because she says to Peta because he's like looking at her questioningly she's like trust me just just trust me this is gonna work yeah but when but when she says that i feel like the way i interpreted that was oh don't let them see that you have the berries we're going to eat these and then we're going to go, ha, we did it. And now we're going to die in your face. Mm. Yeah. I didn't get that from the movie, but you know, again, I've read the book, so it could be coloring my perception. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just think it's, it's a subject to misinterpretation. I think that some people I've talked to, they got the impression that yes, clearly it was a bluff call and others thought like I initially did. They all said, Oh really? I thought that they really were going to eat the berries. Mm. Okay. All right. Well, yeah. Um, so that those two, uh, those are my biggest dislikes. Um, my other major dislike, though, is that the pace of the movie I felt was awkward. Yeah. Okay. So uh, yeah, let's talk about the pace a little bit. Uh, and I think a lot of this has to do with the camera work. And as uh, somebody actually, I think I read this on Rotten Tomatoes. It, it was the same way I felt. He just summed it up a lot better. Even when two people are just talking calmly, Ross jerks the camera around. Why? As the sense of danger increases, there's nowhere, nothing to build toward. There's nowhere to go. Right. And and I totally and completely agree with that. Like that was one of the things I was talking about earlier where Ross explains the decisions that he made for that and and why he felt like you had to do that. And I still disagree with it. Even though I understand where he's coming from, uh I think that uh it was much more appropriate as the movie progressed and as the danger got real as we got into the games, the jump cuts and the shaky cam, the uh cinema verite as they say in in the parlance. Um I I think that worked far better. Um, in, when we got going. But it to, at the beginning of the film, it felt very odd. The pacing was just very odd. I, I will agree with that. And you get over it and you forgive it, and I don't think it detracts from the movie too much. Uh, but there were definitely some scenes. like a spe- You know what really, really, really bugged me? 
was the super long lens high speed floats around Effie uh, on the <laughs> platform. I just, oh, that just, like in the theater, I think even Rachel was, my wife was telling me she was getting a little seasick. <laughs> it felt like some of the earlier parts of the film were shot um, early on while they were still trying to figure out what they wanted the film style to be. I, I think that you might even be right. Like, I think that they, even though it, uh, even though it got more appropriate, they also did tone it down a little as the film went on. I, I, yeah, which w- it would seem like an oxymoron because if you're trying to make it more dramatic, that's usually when they start breaking out more shaky cam. Yeah, but it's interesting. My wife and I both predicted this before we went to the theater. We thought, you know what? They're going to feel the need to be really handheld on the go because having read the books, this book is told in first person, present tense, and they're going to feel yeah. like they need to do that in order to have that kind of energy and to get into the head of Katniss and this sort of thing. And what do you know? I We hit the nail mm. on the head. It was a little irritating at first. I totally... Well, well, TJ, those are all very important um, observations, but that's actually not what I meant by the pace of the movie is awkward. Uh-oh, okay. Um, this is actually... Um, kind of related to how the film approached the books. And I haven't read the book, but my gut is telling me that the pacing of the movie is too slow for the first half and then too rushed for the second. Mm. That it felt, I've heard that about the books, too. I don't think I agree with it. but uh, I think that it felt like the first half of the movie just dragged a bit too long. Like it, By the time they finally got to the Hunger Game... I was kind of like, wow, it felt like it should have happened about 10, 15 minutes ago. But then once the uh, the Hunger Games are underway, very few events are actually unfolding in the film before Katniss says the line, uh, something to the effect of, now comes the finale. She says that in the movie. And, and it's like, uh, well, she they says just had, what? Th- 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 she says it in the book too. So that's where that well, line comes from. Right, and that that's cool, but it, it felt like it came too soon. Like, didn't the Hunger Games just get started? <laughs> so I don't know. I, I I wouldn't know from without reading the books, but I felt like it could have been better paced. Hmm. Like um, one friend of mine who agrees on this point, he said, "You know what they probably had was a screenwriter who made it an, an adaptation of the of the book, and that adaptation in screenplay was going to be like a five hour long movie." And then what they did is they, the the directors and the editors are like, well, we're obviously not going to do all of this. But when they're actually filming the film, they get underway without really knowing how long it's going to be just yet until they get halfway through their shoot. At which yeah. point they say, oh, man, we're looking at the dailies and the movie's going to be kind of lengthy. We're cutting it close to two hours, you know, two hours and 30 minutes. Ouch. Something's got to give, right? And then they realize, well, no, we really like the way the story progresses during the first half. And so they were kind of like, well, if we can jazz up the energy and we can make it more energetic if we trim out a little bit towards the end. And so then the closer and closer you get to the end, it feels like it's more and more rushed. Mm. Well, no, actually, I would, I'm going to... Uh, d- Disagree both. I'm going to both disagree with you and set the record straight. Yeah. Um, I I was happy with the pacing of the film, and, and again, I think it matched the book very well. Um, a lot of people I've heard that complaint with the book that once you get to the Hunger Games, it's really rushed. But I I feel like that's actually a good thing. Like we don't feel like we have to get to the action right away. We can we can expound the story a little bit. We can tell how Katniss got here, and we can see her development 
through the story. You know, she starts out, uh, y- you know, she has an arc, and, and I, I like that. Uh, so I'm not that un- unhappy with the pacing of the film. Maybe I mean I could om- I could agree with you maybe a little bit maybe just a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but then as far as how they did that, they actually uh, the screenwriter uh, was actually uh, Suzanne Collins, uh, who wrote the books. No way. Yes way. She's been writing for TV <laughs> for a while now. Initially, uh, the, the first draft uh, was too long, and she got together with. Uh, Gary Ross, the director, and they both rewrote it, and they talked, and they hashed out together how the th- story would unfold. And he he actually went through his process, and they showed some of his scripts and stuff, and how he had blocked every scene in his mind before they started shooting, and and mm-hmm. on and on paper. So the film was definitely very intentional in its pacing. Hmm. So, okay. so there you go. That was and, one of the fun things about watching the uh, special features. By the way, that's that's where all that comes from. Oh yeah. One, my last uh, minor note here on dislikes was that I felt that some of the the things that the Capitol got away with and in, in, with their advanced technology just defies all reason. <laughs> and uh, it's cool, but it's like, okay, they're really asking a lot for me to believe this here. So uh, I don't know what to say. This is this is really over the top. Like what? Um, fabricating a beast out of thin air from a computer program and then telling it where you want it to be in the woods. Yeah, and... that was a little, that, that went a little over the top. That was not quite that way in the book. Like, they, they bred the, be- the uh, in fact, those animals were actually, uh, they're called mutations or, or mutations. I think they're supposed to be pronounced mutations. Um, and, and they were not just created out of thin air. The capital breeds them. So... Yeah, they they definitely jazzed that up a little for the movie, and it looked cool, you know, for them to be pulling that up on the screen, and then boom, there it is out in the, out in the arena. So yeah, it actually I agree is with like you. the it's like the one time that they actually did succumb to uh, um, appearances, and they took a play from a Twilight movie. Yeah, you're right. They did that. That that was where that's a weakness. I hadn't really considered that, but you're right, and 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 it did stray from the books. So the weakness is where they stray from the books. Uh, mm. Okay, well, now uh, your share. What do you think? What did I not like? Uh, your your review kind of reflects a lot on the, the positives. It um, does, because I really like the film. I think good. I pretty much touched on, uh, you know, my, the and most of it's technical. There's just very little story that I didn't like. Uh, most of mm. it was technical execution that I, I quibbled with. Uh, the jump cuts, cool. the... Uh, yeah. the uh, pacing of the beginning of the film and I, when I'm, I'm talking about like the cinema verite approach and, and that sort of thing right? and then the other thing that I want to touch on is the use of Caesar Flickerman's uh, narration he's obviously doing this live TV thing but we're not we're the, we the audience are not consuming this that way but they very handily uh, handy for them not for the audience they very um, they bring it in when they need it to move the story along, when they need a generation yeah. of the story. And that it was, was, that was really off-putting. Convenient. That was the word I was looking for. It was just way too convenient. They needed to weave that in better or cut it out. Or, or you know, even if they would have just shown it, like if they would have cut away to Gail and Prim and her mother watching on television, and then you can see Caesar on the TV, but we're getting it as if we're watching the TV. It just didn't work very well at all. It was very poorly executed. Well, you know, see, that's funny, because I actually liked that. Uh, and and I, I know I'm crazy, but... In other well, films, I don't think other films could have gotten away with it because they don't have a quintessential uh, television personality that's also l- telling the story to the audience. Hmm. This movie introduces um, the character as 
that figure that that's what his per that's what his uh purpose is and yeah. they, and they're always showing um parts of the games through the lens of, of the cameras that are showing stuff on the television they, they keep on jumping back and forth to what the districts are seeing what the capital people are seeing over the television while katniss is struggling out in the woods yeah um things like that so i, I thought it was like huh this is actually the one time that they can get away with this in a movie because of how it was staged, incorporating the ideas of the live TV. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like they just used it in a way that didn't work as well. I mean, like, I think the idea could have worked, and there was a lot of exposition because it was told first person. We got a lot of that exposition in the book from Katniss. Like, she knew what, uh, in, in because she told us through the book, she knew what those... Uh, what were the killer bees? What do they call them? <laughs> um, oh, yeah, the tracker jackers. Tracker jackers. They, she knew what they were. And so we that's how we knew is because she said, oh, those are tracker jackers. They're very dangerous, blah, blah, blah. And so, you know, there there is somewhat of a challenge of translating that to a movie because we don't know what those are. They just look like bees. We don't know they're really, really bad bees um, <laughs> or wasps or whatever. And, and so I just feel like they leaned on it too conveniently instead of weaving it in better. That that's all. Well, another thing that that's another one of the uh, misinterpretations I had in the film, but it was a minor one <laughs> because the tracker jackers when they were introduced, my understanding was that okay, the capital people are sadistic enough that they genetically engineered tracker jackers just for the games. Man, they are bad. Uh, well, and you wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily put it past them to do that, but they no tractor no, jackers existed either. in the universe. In, in you know, the capital bred them long ago. Yeah, they uh, were a part of their great war during the rebellion with right, the districts, correct. and they were made. Uh, they were made to be a part of the war and to fight and counter the enemy. And, and then eventually they went rogue, and they actually, you know, they became wild. And so these genetically engineered tracker jackers are just bizarro. But holy cow, they they're in there, and they weren't put there by the tra- the capital per se. So yeah. Well, hey, we're an hour in. We need to keep moving on. Let's let's talk about the things that we liked. Um, I just talked about my dislikes, which weren't many. So, what did you like about the film? Yeah, ooh, it is a tough film with loads to think about for younger people. It it, it is a uh, a thought provoking film, and I love that. It's it's it, it's refreshing. I want to see more like this. That's another reason why it should not be compared to the Twilight series. The, yes. Twi- the Twilight series is fundamentally a, a love story and then secondarily a, a drama, but that it has a ton of fantasy elements, whereas this story really doesn't have fantasy going on. It, it's for the most part real world realistic stuff and it only uses sci-fi when absolutely necessary. But because of all these very potent themes that are not often addressed to young people, it really stands out head and shoulders above the rest of the crowd. Yeah, agreed. It really does. Um, yeah, and, and I, I've, I've mostly already touched on a lot of the things I liked about it, just the the thematic elements and, and how it makes you think about our, our uh, a reality TV-driven culture. I mean, because this is the culture in the capital was reality TV driven. They looked forward to the Hunger Games every year to see who was going to win. It was very reality TV ish, and it's it's very thought provoking in that way. And and yeah, sure, they really. I was having this conversation with somebody just the other day. They really and they, they said, "Oh well, the the capital, the people in the capital, look how over the top they are." I mean, you, you know, nobody nobody dresses like that or nobody looks like that. And I I say, "Yeah, but oh please t- uh, take somebody." 
from two or three hundred years ago and put them smack in the middle of Los Angeles, California, or Chicago, or New York, or whatever, and and, and they're going to perceive about our culture there the way we're perceiving the people in the capital. Yeah, it's yeah. true. So that that <laughs> that to me is the cultural critique going on here. Besides, the the capital doesn't represent all of the culture that is in the story the all the 12 districts they those people dress like everyday blue-collared workers sure just like a lot but, of the rest of us do in in the united states for right instance. but then when they wear their plain clothes when they're, they're they're just dressing normal for everyday occasions or when they're getting ready to look good for some events pertaining to the capital they wear clothes very much like ours so it's very obvious. It's just one of those grandiose spectacle cultural twists that is um, that has become rampant in the capital. And I think it's one of the. It's actually kind of compelling. I think it was well ex- executed in this film. Yeah, and then you know what? Just to go along with the uh, sci-fi element, where the sci-fi served the story and not the other way around, I really felt like the CGI used in this film. A was very well done. Like there were some scenes I didn't realize they were CGI, and in the special features I saw, oh, that's a, that's CGI, really, seriously. Uh, that's really well done. Uh, okay, do you remember toward the very beginning of the film where Katniss is kind of running up? Um, uh, she's coming from frame right through over to frame left, and there's mountains in the background and stuff. Do you remember that scene? That, that yeah, roughly, vaguely. She, she in the they showed the original shot without any CGI. There were no mountains behind her. There was nothing behind her. There, there was no, uh, there was no sh- barn there. She was running by, and then they showed the composited scene, and and you, I really couldn't tell wow. that that was CGI. Like you know, even just three or four years ago, I would have, I would. Th- if I'd been looking hard enough, I'd have gone, oh, that was CGI. That's disappointing. Yeah, and, agreed. <laughs> and, and you look at it now, and, and okay, and so, of course, the shot, any shot where you're looking at the train, like especially the shot where the train loops around and comes into the Capitol, all CGI. Everything about the Capitol, <laughs> every wide shot, every big reveal of the Capitol was all CGI. And, well, and I, I kind of knew that. I knew that, but I couldn't see it that well. Like, I thought it was very well technically executed. But then, then just uh, they didn't overuse CGI. Like they used it where necessary. But you know, even the fireballs were practical effects in the filming. Like when Cat when the fireballs are being thrown at Katniss in the games, really, that's practical effects. They they enhanced it a little with CGI. But the 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 fireballs uh, ultimately were a practical effect, and See, I really I figured, appreciated that. Yeah, I appreciate it too, but. <laughs> they they didn't have to go to those lengths because I just assumed that anything pertaining to fire was composited and no, you know, the, there was certainly compositing going on, but a lot of the fire was real effects, and that gives mm. it a realism, that gives it a grittiness. Uh, you know, you just can't quite get there with CGI. Even now, with our good CGI, and as much as I was praising the CGI, you just can't quite get there with CGI sometimes. Mm. So I really appreciated that about this film. Really loved it. You know, James Newton Howard's score, he's been criticized a little bit for how minimalistic it is. I thought it was perfect and beautiful where it existed. And the choices that were made, both in the sound design and in the soundtrack itself, were very well done. Uh, just uh, The scene that comes to mind is the whole reaping. You, There's no music during the whole reaping, and it's very stark and very bleak. And then as the three-finger salute is going on, with Kat, you know, Katniss is chosen, she's up there, and Effie asks for applause, and instead they give her the three-finger salute. You start hearing those bass tones come in. It really kind of foreshadowing, and it just, 
Oh, just so well done. I'm sorry if I'm waxing on, but just, just <laughs> so very well done. Loved it. Loved it. Yeah, right. Yeah, I just want to quickly mention to uh, the, one of the other things I appreciated about the film was that it was fairly unpredictable for me. Uh, unfamiliar with the books, I imagined Katniss has got to live, but that I actually I didn't feel like there was any guarantees there. Yeah, so uh, it did a good job of of making you think she might actually die. Yeah, yeah, uh, and and part of me was almost ready ready to to shed a few tears when she started to eat the berries. I was mm, like, oh, yeah. okay, well, this is the way it's actually happening. Okay, I, well then she's she's dying as a hero. Okay, I gotta ask. That. I, I, I listen to the books, audiobooks, so I know there's a little more probably drama there. Although I've, I've been known to cry when I've just actually read a book too, but uh, I cried at this when, in the books and I, I definitely cried in the movie. Did you shed any tears when Rue died? I did. Yeah. That was, it was very well done and very moving. Uh, you know, it's interesting. I didn't, in my mind, when I read the books, and maybe this is because I'm a white person, I didn't picture Rue as black, but it worked really well. Just, <laughs> you know? No, yeah, I, I really liked the multicultural elements to the film. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, yeah, it was a very moving. Oh, uh, well, let me touch on this real quickly, and then we need to start bringing it in for a landing. But uh, Stanley Tucci as Caesar Flickerman, wasn't he great? Absolutely. He is Stanley is just fabulous in everything. But I, yeah, I've never I, seen him in anything gotta, before, but he was awesome. Oh wow. You need to go back and watch The Devil Wears Prada. Oh, see, I, I that didn't look any good to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, but uh it's a it's a great film. <laughs> it is. Okay. I mean it it's got its highs and lows, but one of the reasons you watch it is primarily for the performances. Meryl Streep, the bomb just incredible okay but stanley i don't know how to describe it and i don't want to spoil it for you so just check that out okay yeah you ought to see it i'll put that on my list the devil devil wars prada let me look at the notes here do we have anything else we want to talk about um well lastly i'm going to say that another good reason to watch this film and for me at least was because it's one of the few films that in and of itself i really felt yes this film warrants a sequel and I want to see it. I'm eager. I'm looking forward to catching it. You know, a lot of films these days, they play themselves up really well. But then I don't feel like I have to see that sequel. The The Avengers is one where it was a great film in and of itself. I'm satisfied. I don't necessarily know that they need a sequel for that film. Mm. Um, you know, the Batman films, I needed to see a sequel. There. Yes, Definitely. Yeah, I but like it's not the case see, in all in all films. Yeah, I feel like I need to see an Avengers sequel though, but that's mostly just because I the first one was so fun, not because they set it up to need it. Hmm. So, so that's it. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. Check it out, people. It's available on iTunes, Amazon, Blu-ray, DVD, Red Box, Blue Box, yeah, Black my, Box. My experience, my my only frustration, and this is not Apple's fault. I, I, my experience with iTunes was great. My frustration is that it costs the same as buying the Blu-ray. Like, come on, this is digital download. You don't have as much overhead. Uh, so that's a little frustrating, but at the same time, I, I love having it digitally. Um, and so, yeah, I, I recommend the iTunes version. Uh, but, yeah, certainly Blu-ray. Certainly get it in HD. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, you know, worthy in HD. So, Absolutely. Yep. 
All right. Do you have anything else about to talk about about this film? <laughs> I just want to say, if you've lasted this long, then you're really one nut that just loves this film. Or I got to say thank you because you respect our opinions. I'll take that as a compliment. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, next week we're going to be talking about uh, Battleship. Now, we haven't actually we haven't done a film where both of us just completely lampooned the film. I haven't seen it yet. I saw the trailer. <laughs> And uh, you know what? I said, I don't want to go see this film. And so I, I didn't. And this is before, I think I saw the trailer before. Uh, I don't remember if we were thinking about Movie Bite or we were in production or if it Some was even before that. But it's like, I, I have no interest in this film. But anyway, so I have every expectation that you and I are going to lampoon this film. We're going to, we're going to, like we say in the opener, we're just going to stick it to this film. <laughs> yeah, I have a feeling. Um, but yeah, if there's any merits to be made in uh, the Battleship movie, I'm sure we'll address them and it won't probably take all that long yeah it's never <laughs> you know it's never a good omen when okay so so this film has rihanna in it and it's never a good omen when they just take someone who's never acted before as far as i know and she's just a singer a pop singer but she you know people like her because she's a pop singer uh we're just gonna put her in this film what yeah what, what? no come what and and the worst thing is Liam Neeson is in this film and he's such a great actor and it just looks like a complete waste for him. <laughs> well, yeah, I, I have a lot to say about that film, but you'll have to wait for my two cents until next week. Yep, we're going to talk about it next week, so uh, be sure to tune in for that if you want to hear us really, <laughs> you know, get down on a film and 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 I, I expect that's the way that's going to go. So yeah, uh, yeah. All right, well let's uh, let's wrap it up, Joseph. Where can people follow you and your online? Uh, things that you do mm. my on my online invent adventures can be caught at jivingjackalope.com and if you want to find me uh in a social network uh i prefer twitter but you can also catch me on facebook just go to josephdarnell.com that'll take you to my facebook page all right all right i also have a website buzzingpixel.com uh, if you want to, I haven't mentioned this before, if you want to catch any, I, I do a lot of political posts and stuff sometimes when I feel like the mood coming on. I'll do that on tjdraper.com. Be warned, I am a staunch, flaming conservative instead of a flaming liberal. Uh, like, I think Reagan was not conservative enough. But, you know, that's me, and I try to keep that kind of out of the show. But if you're interested in that, tjdraper.com. My tech stuff is at buzzingpixel.com. And, of course, I write a lot of things on moviebyte.com. If you found this show on iTunes and you're not familiar with it, go and uh, go to moviebyte.com. We post stories every day, link to a lot of stuff. It's just a lot of fun. So moviebyte.com. If you want to catch me on Twitter, that is my preferred social network at the moment. Uh, TJ Draper Pro on Twitter. On Facebook, you can go to facebook.com slash TJ Draper. So that's where you can find me. All, All right, TJ, right, I had a blast. Yeah, it was I'm looking fun. forward to next week. Let's uh, see what happens next week. Thanks, All right, Joseph. take care. All right, bye.